0: Pedagogy? What uh, is that? Pedagogy specifically refers to the science of teaching. That's a good SAT vocab word if there ever was one. Yeah, pedagogy. Mm, so, yeah, she. Sounds like a Pokemon. <laughs> pedagogy, I choose you! <laughs> and pedagogy evolves into Pedagon. And...
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's, I like
0: that a lot. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where for the second time we will be showing Patrick Dempsey the door! I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 2006 film Freedom Riders. I love a Paramount film, but you know what I don't like? What? A White Savior film. That's absolutely right! You guys, welcome to part two of Deconstructing White Savior Films. To be honest, you know, to those of you who listen to the help, you can probably see the all the problematic tropes that go along with that. I feel like even though this is still a White Savior movie at the end of the day, This one is far more powerful. It definitely makes better attempts to make it about the non-white people. Yeah, and it's better at showcasing the voices, but like at the end of the day, a white lady got them all here, right? Right. Yeah, that's what this movie's basically saying. This actually happened. This was a real thing. Yeah, this is a true story, and that also gives it more credibility to me. This is not something that was dreamt up by some white lady. So, before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Kick and Stream. K I C K N S T R E A M. You can write the show, ask questions, make suggestions at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. Please go into the show notes and find a black podcast. Follow, subscribe, leave reviews, please. Support our black creators. So, don't forget to go check that out. I hope some of you did your homework. Did you do your homework? Did Me? you? Not you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> did you watch? a documentary everybody get yourself educated sorry I'm gonna turn that off whitely. I know I know, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry Anne's very excited to be getting her copy of Women Race and Class by Angela Davis yes today. I am so excited it took 20 days to get here but I don't care because Jeff Bezos didn't get a penny so <laughs> I'm very excited to read that fuck you Jeff alright are you ready to get swankified let's talk about it in Long Beach
2: it all comes down to what you look like. It's all about color. If you're Latino or Asian or black, you could get blasted anytime you walk out your door. My name is Aaron Guell. Schools are divided into separate tribes.
1: I'm not sitting near him.
2: I can't go back there alone. Man, I know you ain't talking to me. Uh, We kill each other over race, pride, and respect. We fight for our America.
3: What you're saying is, if the Latinos weren't here, or the Cambodians, or the blacks, or the whites, or whoever they are, if they weren't here, everything would be better for you. Lady,
4: stop acting like you're trying to understand our situation.
3: Why don't you explain it to me? We in a war. first-time teacher you can't make someone want an education from this moment on the person you were that person's turn is over everyone has their own story we're gonna write in these journals
2: there's no place like this out there for us
4: I can't go back to the way
2: it used to be. man, I can't. Nobody listens to a teenager and they don't see the wars we fight Sit every
1: day. To the police I and I have gunshots.
2: She told us we have something to say to people.
0: The title, Freedom Writers, is a play off of the Freedom Writers, which was a desegregation demonstration on public transport in 1961, where a group of people rode all throughout the South, going from town to town, and they got pretty well beaten up. And it lasted from like May to December. Yeah. So they were out there driving around for a long time. A lot of white people right now are kind of underestimating how far we have to go in our allyship and for how long. Obviously, they didn't drive around for a total seven months months no they took breaks this is not speed they took breaks for you know harassment and beatings blanket disclaimer this is an actual this story is actually based on real people's lives most of which are still living i believe and i think it's important to say that when we refer to individuals in the movie we're referring to the characters not the real people okay and another thing we're just a couple of corn-fed white kids who don't know anything about gang life Oh yeah, so yeah, um, no, Mm-mm. we will not be commenting on that a lot. Not but a whole lot. No, no. we're just going to have to go off of what the movie shows us. Definitely, and definitely. Maybe it's problematic or not correct. I don't know. <laughs> Let us know. Guess who is credited as a producer? Danny DeVito, Mr. Danny DeVito. <laughs> when I saw that, I lost it. I was like, Danny, <laughs> I'm with you on this. I good loved, job. I love Danny DeVito, man. And so. Uh, obviously, the film is based off of the Freedom Writer's diary. And so that was published in like what, 1999? Yeah. And so it's the compilation of all these students' diaries that they wrote during their freshman and sophomore year when Erin Grell was doing her first year teaching. Let's welcome back to Kiki and Streaming, Swanky. Hillary Swank, everybody. Guys, guys, guess what? What? She is also plagued by Patrick Dempsey in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't R- know, remember I, Iron Jawed Angels I, when Patrick Dempsey was being awful and I, detracting from her goals. Exactly, well, he's doing the same thing in this movie. Only they're actually married this time. Patrick Dempsey, who plays her husband in this movie, I don't know. I, every single movie we've done so far that has Patrick Dempsey in it, he's been just this really whiny nice guy. You know what I mean? I do. We've got Scott Glenn, Yeah. Jack Crawford from The Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. I know him from two films. This. <laughs> And Silence of the Lambs. Exactly. I'm not going to go into too much further on Scott Glenn. We've got Dolores Umbridge herself, Amelda Staunton. Yeah, Amelda Staunton is in so many things. She's a brilliant character actress. I cannot wait for her portrayal of Queen Elizabeth II in seasons five and six of The Crown. Oh yeah, because that'll be coming. Oh, which also just make it Helen Mirren, but like whatever. <laughs> like I get it. You'll take it. I see you. I see you. <laughs> you were saying off mic. You're like, I love how she played the same role twice in the same year. I know. <laughs> She's literally Umbridge. She just plays Umbridge again in this movie. <laughs> we have April Hernandez. Mm-hmm. She's- Eva. Not Eva. That's right, yeah. That's, the only other thing I know her from, she played Amaro's sister on SVU. Oh, she did. Yeah, for one episode. She's fine. Oh, she did not age between 2006 and like 2015 when that episode was shot. She is so fine. You know who else is fine? <laughs> Mario. Mario. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mario's in this movie. Mm-hmm. You'll know him from his R and B music and dance career. You know, he was only twenty. In this movie? Yeah, he's only twenty. Would that make him like the youngest student in this cast? <laughs> he's like thirty three now. Wow. I know, I'm jealous. The only other person I think is worth mentioning is Pat Carroll. Yeah. <laughs> Don't what? underestimate the importance of body language. All I'm going to tell you about her right now is that yes, she voices Ursula in the little in the original film version of The Little Mermaid. Music for this film was officially composed by Will I Am and Riza. Hello, Wu Tang Clan. That's what's up. The soundtrack is so solid, Guys, You know how we love ourselves a good film soundtrack. I cannot I, the the bops, the beats. I am in love. Look, like I'm gonna sit down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good that's a good idea. Yeah, I'm gonna sit down. I have never seen a movie with such a fantastic unknown cast before. Oh, I know these kids are great. I like that a lot because I feel like if you had just gone around and gotten the most popular teen idols of the time and tried to put them in this movie i think it would have been very very distracting yeah and these all of these actors do such a phenomenal job and have such great chemistry together i just it's great they do a wonderful job of capturing what it must be like to be that age and be in that environment exactly some of them were probably actually teenagers during that time if you know anything about the United States, there are, you know, more diverse areas than others. We did not grow up in one of them. <laughs> Southern California, we are not from. <laughs> no, we are not. Um, You know, California has, you know, of course a huge african-american presence it has a huge uh, southeast asian presence it's got a diverse latinx community mm-hmm. so let's talk a minute about rodney king so we the film opens up with this compilation footage of the la riots and you know just kind of setting the scene basically so in 1991 i believe it was rodney king was leading a high-speed chase and these officers instead of just detaining him beat the holy mess out of him and it was caught on camera of course of course, these officers don't get indicted and then the city erupts you know just like Ferguson just like George Floyd you know it this yeah. isn't new when cops aren't held accountable people go nuts exactly because it happens over and over and over and over and over no again justice no, no peace.
4: city there are 38 dead and more than here are having a hard time wild getting
1: wild in
0: The movie doesn't really go far enough into the story of Rodney King as far as I'm concerned. I feel like it's worth mentioning because, junk driving or not, he was a victim of police brutality and the police are just one of the institutions that get off scot-free in this movie. We get a couple of title cards. Over 120 murders in Long Beach, California in the months following the Rodney King riots gang violence and racial tension reach an all-time high and then the second title card says from the diaries of the students of room 203 woodrow wilson high school (laughs) i love the opening line
2: in america a girl can be crowned a princess for her beauty and her grace But a Aztec princess is chosen for her blood.
0: The first voice we hear from in the Freedom Riders' diary is from Eva Benitez, mm-hmm. and she is actually she's I think she's a composite of of a of a real freedom rider who's not specifically name checked. Oh really? Yeah, I think I don't I don't know if her name was Maria. I just think that's who it was. But yeah, she Ava Benitez is not a real person, but she's based on real people, and she has lived around gang violence her whole life. Number one, she witnessed a drive-by shooting when she was all of seven years old. Mm -hmm. Like, how horrific must that have been? Yes. The kid was literally standing across the street from her. Mm -hmm. And he's gunned down. Another really horrible thing that's a testament to generational trauma.
1: They took my father for
2: retaliation. He was innocent, but they took him because he was respected by my people.
0: They called my people a gang because we fight for our America. We don't really get any specification on what exactly happened there. I don't need it. I believe that they took him for no reason. Yeah, You know what I mean? I seriously don't trust anyone in power who gets to decide what a, quote, gang is. You know what I mean? We literally have white supremacists wandering the streets with semi-automatic weapons intimidating people today. Why is that not gang activity? Yeah, I know. That's why I don't trust white people who define things as gangs. They, you... ju- they just arrested a couple of black men for having guns in public. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that like, I, I don't remember exactly where that was. But I remember seeing that headline. But like white supremacists can go to the Capitol building. With with their (laughs) AR-15s. This country is backwards. Okay. So as a teenager, she tells us that she's now part of the gang life. She and her boyfriend, Paco. Mm-hmm. who I can only assume has been held back many times and is much older than she is. I don't think he's in high school. Yeah, I don't think he is either. She, uh, We'll come back to that because, later. She yeah, has we, to he, let him in. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. He is not in, and who knows, maybe he dropped but, out. But, you know, that was uh, that was something that would happen, you know, when they're walking through the street and that gun battle just ensues yeah. between them and the Cambodians. They're just walking to school. Yeah.
2: We fight each other for territory. We
0: kill each other over race, pride, and respect. We fight for what is ours. Like, regardless of what the actual definition is of a gang, I can see how people across different communities band so closely together. When the system isn't caring about their interests, like, the only people who care about them are the people in their own community. Yeah. The people who look like them. So, like, regardless of what the hell a gang constitutes, I can understand how you would need that community in solidarity. We're in freshman year 1994. And if this is freshman year 1994, this is right in the middle of the OJ debacle. Is it really? I mean, if if it's fall 1994, you know, he killed her in June. Oh, no. So that summer was wild. Oh, wow. And the trial started, like, in October. So we're getting there. Yeah. Aaron Gruwell, Hillary Swank, has just been hired as an English teacher at Woodrow Wilson High School in Long Beach, California, a school where a voluntary integration has been implemented. It's a, it is a very well put forth policy that is not enforced well. And it's not executed well. Like, it's because no one cares. No one cares, and no one wants to have an uncomfortable conversation. You know, the white the whiteies don't want to. The whiteies in the education system don't want to admit that they're going about this. Entirely incorrectly, um, and and most of these children are in the system, in yeah. abusive households. They come on, from. I mean, they're on drugs. They're in gangs. There's a lot of rough stuff that these 14- and 15-year-olds should not be having to deal with. Their lives are verifiably hard. They face violence and lack of security every single day. So, of course, they're suffering in school. And now what's happened at Wilson is that the administration directly blames these kids for how their school has declined. And it's like, well, the administration has already given up on them. Exactly, and so we get this meeting with Margaret Campbell and Aaron Gruell. Margaret Campbell is an administrator at Woodrow Wilson. We have Amilda Staunton in the house. Also, she's just this frigid white woman. She keeps eyeing Aaron's pearls. She's like, mm, "Those are going to get took." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, "Don't be
3: racist." Margaret's telling her, "You know, like, it's too bad you weren't here even two years ago." You know? We used to have one of the highest scholastic records in the district but since voluntary integration was suggested we've um, lost over 75% of our strongest students because
0: she- of their racist white parents pulling them out gee hmm. hmm. also i love that the high school is named after woodrow wilson like <laughs> that just makes it even more poignant like if you listen to the <laughs> if you listen to the iron jawed angels episode you know how we feel about woodrow wilson <gasps> Connections! Uh, Hillary Swank was also an oh Iron Jod Angel! I love us! I know. I'm kidding.
3: Erin is adorably naive. Yeah, she's from Newport Beach. I know I have a lot to learn as a teacher, but I'm a really good student. I am, and I really want to be here. Those are lovely pearls. Oh, thank you. I wouldn't wear them to class.
0: I love this music. I know. Like, it's just, all throughout it, it's just embellished with all of these funky tunes. And listen to how white I sound right now. I but know. like... <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'll give Erin one thing. She's determined, and these kids need someone who won't give up on them so easily. When her face is lit up, she's like, I really want to be here. And I'm like, oh my god, the earnestness. I know. My eyes, the earnestness. <laughs> On Erin's first day, one of the things she notices as she's walking around is that the classroom she's assigned to, 203, it's got like really old desks in it that are all carved up mm-hmm. and the blinds are broken, the equipment's really old. She has no erasers. She has no erasers. Absolutely none. While the honors class across the hall has a nice room, mm-hmm. nice equipment, new desks. Well those are for the smart white kids. Exactly. And like you could like the that even that display of how palpable segregation was in schools, even in 1994. In a school that where voluntary integration had been implemented. And it's almost like, huh. They gave up on those kids, and you can see it in the environment. They are not investing in those classrooms. And you know, she, the bell rings, and she's waiting for her classroom to fill up. The bell rings again to signal <laughs> the start of the lesson, and no one is in her room. And she's just like, Um... (laughs) They all have to be shepherded in by a truant officer. Yeah, the truant officer has to let them all in. They group them all together so that they're easier to, I don't know, control. And babysit. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about each of these students as they're walking in and and a little bit about them. Because we have a lot of kids here, and it's going to become confusing, so we're going to try and set up some markers here at the beginning. We have Jamal. He's a black student, and he is the class clown. Mm -hmm. You know, he's always making jokes and disrespecting authority. Definitely. Andre Bryant, he is also black. He is the loof loner in the corner with the hood up, Mm -hmm. not giving a care about what anybody thinks. There's Marcus. Marcus. I love Marcus. I do love Marcus. Marcus is like my favorite student. Marcus is also black. He sits in the back. Marcus is homeless. Yeah. Like, we don't know that now, but I'll bring it up now. He's homeless. He doesn't have... He doesn't... He goes and sleeps in a shed every night. There's Brandy, another black student. She's very quiet. Gloria Muniz. We've got Gloria. She's Latina. (laughs) Gloria loves her magazines. Yes, Gloria does love her magazines. You might recognize Gloria from Zoe 101. Wait, really? Yeah. Remember in the beginning when... Oh, they what? replaced this character with Victoria Justice. <gasps> really? In the first season of Wait, Zoe one hundred and one. Oh my god! I don't know the character's name. I see it now. Yeah, I'm see. Oh my god! That's her. Yeah. We have Cindy Ngor. She's Cambodian. She's also rather quiet and aloof. She does not get along with Ava. They do not like each other. No. We also have Tito. He's Latino. Yeah. He's the graffiti artist. Definitely. And he's also kind of a class clown. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And then we have Ben Samuels, the one white kid. Yeah. (laughs) And there's plenty of other students in this class as well. Just They just don't get an adequate amount of screen time. Yeah, we really only focus on this class, even though she had multiple classes. She, the, the quote, freedom riders, uh-huh. amounted to about 150 students. Oh, yeah. yeah. But we only focus on, like, these 25. Right from the start, Erin can tell this is not going to be easy. She's not even done with attendance, and a fight breaks out between Andre and Jamal. Yeah.
2: It's the dumb class, cuz. Means you're too dumb. Man, say it to my face, cuz. I just did. see what I mean? <laughs> Dump. Man, I know you ain't talking to me. Um, okay.
3: Ooh.
2: Look, homie, I beat that ass home, boy.
3: Can you please sit back down? Look, now? I got tough
0: spot on the scene.
2: That's why you opened opening
0: wagging And she has to pull the truant officer in to help defuse it. She just she's new. She had no idea what to do. So we get her at lunch with Maggie and Brian. We meet Brian Gelford, who is white and an asshole. Yes. He teaches honors English, and he has all the same disparaging things to say about Aaron's students that Margaret did. Mm Mm-hmm. I wrote, honors guy looks like a fuck. He is! (laughs) Spoiler alert, he will be. One thing Brian says, oh, just give it a little bit. Eventually, they'll just stop coming altogether.
4: By then, most of your kids will be gone anyway. What do you mean? Well... Eventually, they just stop coming.
3: Well, if I do my job, they might be lining up at the door.
0: You know, these teachers look at Aaron with... All of her optimism, and they're like, "Aw, you think you can teach the unteachable?" Yeah, yeah. I just hate these people. They really, they're very patronizing. Like, the way they're just like, most of your students will be gone by then. The way he so flippantly says that. Yeah. He does not give a shit. I know, he doesn't care. its He doesn't think it's his job to care. I'm like, guys. Which, you I mean, it so is. It, it is. It so is your job to care as an educator. Ugh. <sighs> So here's where Ava is explaining the social structure of Wilson. She's naming all the cliques that are separated and associated with race. They have their own, quote, territory in the schoolyard. I know it. And when someone infringes on that territory. Grant. It's, a, yeah, it's Gr- Grant Rice. Grant Rice. It looks like this. One tribe
2: drifting quietly to another's territory without respect. As if to claim what isn't theirs. An outsider looking in would never see it but we could
0: feel it. It's a sign of disrespect. Like, all this black student does is walk by their table... And there's this, this tense, slow motion moment. All this eye contact. Yeah, and they're just staring. They're giving daggers to him, and he's just, like, smirking at them. Ava dips out during class and lets Paco and his friends in. They are presumably also in an unnamed Latinx gang. Oh, yeah, every time Ava goes to the bathroom, air quotes, like, she's going to let her boyfriend and his buddies in so that they can sell yeah. in the school. Yeah, Like, they, they can sell drugs, they can sell guns to all of these high schoolers. While Paco and his buddies are on school campus, they start a fight on the front lawn. Like somebody pulls the fire alarm and suddenly the entire student body is out on the lawn beating the living snot out of each other. (laughs) I love this whole sequence because, you know, she walks out there into the schoolyard, Aaron does. Yeah, and she's watching all of this go down. It is the white naivete that we are seeing across her face and i love that shot of her standing against the huge peace symbol that's drawn on the wall oh
1: god
0: that's and, a great shot like i i would love a i would love just to have a still image of that cuz like she's just got both hands down by her side and she looks terrified and oh. all these kids are beating each other up but her body's perfectly in the middle of this huge painted peace symbol on the concrete wall oh god she is shaken her precious privileged white brain cannot fathom yeah. the amount of hate <laughs> i wrote i'm white and scared Right? That, that's exactly what she's thinking. When Scott comes home from work, that did we talk about Scott yet? I, you know what, guys? You know what? <laughs> Let's talk about Scott. Just briefly. Okay, Scott. First, okay, Before you get too angry, explain who Scott is. Scott Casey is Aaron's husband. He is a man of many careers who can't decide what he wants to do. He's played by Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> always lurking around, <laughs> making things hard for women in film. <laughs> yeah, that's not Patrick Dempsey's fault. They just like to put him there for some reason. <laughs> when you get tight-cast enough, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, he comes in the front door because he saw it on the news. Yeah. He, Aaron? <laughs> <sighs>
1: Are you sure about this?
0: It's well, not exactly how I pictured it. Well, duh! Aaron? Yeah. There's a reason this position was open. It was a whack first day, though. It was. So, we're at dinner. (laughs) What is his actual name? Scott Glenn. Scott, no, no, no. Steve. Steve Gruel? Steve Gruel. That's her dad. Okay. And we, you know, earlier on in the beginning, we had learned that Steve Gruel was a civil rights activist in the early 60s. Like, he marched with Dr. King. I don't know how verifiable that actually is. Do some research. Find out for yourself. Well, you know, and I think with that comes this uh, level of uh, arrogance that a lot of white people who were involved in the civil rights movement had, where it was like, I was there. You know, these thugs, these criminals, they don't even look like the people I knew back then so they think they know better. Exactly. He looks down his nose at the whole thing. He's being predictably judgmental about her job and he's like,
4: With your brains, you could run a major corporation. Instead, I worry all night because you're a teacher at Attic."
3: Can you hear what you're saying? How many times have I listened to you about walking civil rights marches. These
4: gangs criminals, not activists. You read the papers.
3: They said the same thing about the Black Panthers.
0: Can confirm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was taught that the Black Panthers were thugs and terrorists. So was I. Yeah, and like, seriously, they weren't. They were an organized group of citizens who just wanted to feed children and not be murdered in the street by police. Yeah. And this, one, this moment is the one time I can tolerate Patrick Dempsey speaking. <laughs> Scott looks Steve in the face and goes, look, no,
1: Steve, <sighs> Erin thinks she can teach these kids. She can.
0: You telling her she can't she's just going to make her mad. <laughs> Which reminded me of you. Also. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the easiest way to get me to do something is to tell me I cannot do it. You can't down that coke. <laughs> you couldn't. <laughs> oh, Carrie. <laughs> she tried it too. She. <laughs> you okay. No, it was one of those things where, like. You swallow too much and it gets real bubbly on your esophagus. Oh, and it just hurts. It hurts. It's like a stone going down your esophagus. Uh huh. Oh, man. Um, So, okay, when they're in the bathroom, uh listen, because, like, you know, her dad says the thing about, you know, these these are gangs. These are activists.
3: What's happened to him? He was like Atticus Finch to me when I was growing up, but now he's talking about salaries? What? To Kill a Mockingbird is the original White Savior movie. You're so right. Why do we still teach that in school? You're
0: 100% right. I don't get it. Because it's about the white people. It is. Oh, God in heaven. So now we move on to one of the cringiest moments in the movie. Trying We're... to get the kids enticed with Tupac? Oh, God. The white teacher is going to use Tupac to relate to her non white students.
4: say the black of the bed, sweet of the juice. I say the talk of the flesh.
3: I have this idea. We're going to be covering poetry. Who here likes Tupac Shakur? It's Tupac. Tupac Shakur. Excuse me. Raise your hand. Really? I thought there'd be more fans. I love it when
0: she's trying to describe to them the lyrical value of Tupac. (laughs) And they start doing, they start rapping the lyrics from memory. Yeah. And it's so funny.
4: I think we don't know Tupac. Why girl going to teach us about rap?
3: No, it's not that. See, what I was trying to do... You I'm have no to idea you... what you're doing up there, do you? <laughs> you ever been a teacher before? Ooh, ooh, ooh,
4: and teacher gets nailed. Right, Jamal, right, look Jamal, right, right, right. it up.
3: You know what? I want you to move to this front seat right here now.
0: I think this is interesting because what ends up happening is this causes a chain reaction where no one is listening to her and in order to reclaim authority in her own classroom she starts forcibly rearranging the room. She integrates them. Yeah, she forcibly takes people out of their friend groups and sits them away from each other mm-hmm. so they can't be a distraction to each other really. voluntary integration. Exactly, and you know it's just kind of like this whole school system has done kind of the same thing. She's rearranged them without having a meaningful conversation about why everybody hates each other. I love it when she goes, Everyone happy with their new borders? <laughs> <laughs> did she have to say borders? Yeah, I know. Did, did she, she have to say borders? <laughs> did she have to say borders? The next scene starts with a bop, Rebirth of Slick by Digible. We like the breeze, flow straight out of our lids. Them, they got boo bodies, by
2: Brooklyn kids. Us floor rush when they DJ booming classics. You did the crew on the fattest hip hop record of the styles like miles and shit Like 60s funky worms with waves and perms Just sending junky rhythms right down your block We beat to rap what key beat to lock But I'm cool like that, I'm cool like that I love this song I know,
0: it's such a great song We cut back and forth between Ava and Cindy Getting ready to go out with their respective friend group I love that parallel that's happening So somehow members of Cindy and Cindy's gang and Ava's gang both end up at the same gas station. Guess who's at the gas station? Grant Rice. Grant Rice. He's playing a video game. He's the one that wandered into their
1: territory.
0: Yeah. Well, Grant's getting upset because he's not winning, and he's losing money not winning. Ava goes inside. The rest of her friends stay in the... This is chaotic, so try and follow me, Mm -hmm. alright? Ava goes inside... Perf people stay in the car. Paco. Yeah. Cindy and her boyfriend are already in the store, mm. and Grant's at the video game. And he loses money on the video game, and he immediately starts to lose his temper with the guy behind the counter. Yeah. He wants his money back. Paco is still in the car, and he has laid eyes on Grant. He steps out of the car and points a gun at the door so he can plug Grant as he comes out. Mm-hmm. And Grant, as he's leaving, sees Paco. He tears ass out of there, and Paco
4: shoots. We zoom like that. We out. We out.
0: He misses Grant, but he hits Cindy's boyfriend over his heart, Mm -hmm. kills him instantly. Paco was scared. In the car, he said, you can't go against your own people,
2: your own blood. The same words my father used so many times. Only I saw Paco. The others were turned away. So when the police questioned me, I knew I had to protect him. This whole thing about how she's going
0: to cover for Paco. She swears up and down that, you know, as she's going to go through this, you know, witness testimony, she's going to swear up and down it was Grant Rice who killed Cindy's boyfriend. And Grant is arrested for the shooting, and she just doesn't tell anybody the truth. She says it's Grant. Yeah. She tells the police it's Grant that did it. We've got another innocent black man in prison. Great. At the faculty meeting the next morning, the principal tells the teachers not to discuss the incident in the classroom. And I have in all capital letters, how can you not? A student has been murdered. Oh, yeah. When, I, when, when they're like, our school policy is not to discuss. That's bad. Oh, it's very bad. That's so upsetting. I remember, obviously, when we had a death of a fellow student in school, obviously it was nothing of this caliber. We were talked through it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was explained to us what happened to our fellow student, to our friend, and we were helped to process it. This administration does not care. About what happened to this student. Because he was non-white and he was probably doing something that he shouldn't have been doing. Yeah, they just obeyed the law. Yeah. And, you know, Aaron has two kids that were actually there that night. Yeah, yeah. Ava's in her class and Cindy's in her class. And Oh, Cindy. Cindy is sitting in class and you can tell she's left her body. I know, yeah. She just is so she, overcome. She can't stand that Ava's in the same room with her. It's insanity that, that they're not going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and I just hate that it was as powerful back then as it is now. Like, it's still relevant. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It just, 100%. I just... <laughs> we're going to play a lot of this scene, aren't we? Yeah, we we're going to spend a while here, because this is a lot to unpack. So... Tito is snickering with most of the Hispanic students and he's drawing something around on a note because, you know, back in the day, you actually passed notes. (laughs) I don't ever remember a note being passed once when I was in high school. This note goes around the entire damn classroom. And, you know, it finally gets up to Jamal, who Aaron has moved to the front row. Yeah. And Jamal takes a look at it. And you just when you see Jamal's face just fall. Oh, he completely changes. And like literally everyone in the classroom is laughing, almost to a person. And so she finally notices the snickering. And she's like, what fresh hell is this? What's going on? And she takes the note out of his hand and she looks at it. It's a depiction of Jamal drawn by Tito of him with lips twice the size of his head. Let's call a spade a spade. It's a racist caricature. Yeah, it's a very racist caricature of Jamal.
3: You think this is funny? Tito. Would this be funny if it were a picture of you?
1: It ain't.
3: She's like, you
0: think this shit is funny? Forget the grammar. We're talking about this now. Yeah. (laughs) I love, close the workbooks. Does your ass tighten? A little bit, because I'm like, oh, God, teacher's mad. (laughs) I remember that feeling. This scene does a very good job of taking you right into that classroom. Yeah. You know y- what I you mean? You feel like you're sitting there. Exactly. And you know what? I think it's with has everything to do with camera angle. Oh, yeah. When she's up in front of them speaking, the camera is positioned as if we were sitting in one of those desks. It's lower. Yeah. yeah I love it. And she starts in on this lecture about how Nazis used disparaging images and racist images to dehumanize Jewish people. And, you know, publish, you know, scientific evidence saying that they were the lowest form of human species. It comes off kind of tone deaf because she, it sound, what it sounds like is she's trying to educate them about systematic discrimination as though they don't live with it every day. And the students aren't having it either.
3: Jews and blacks were more like animals. And because they were just like animals, it didn't really matter whether they lived or died. In fact, life would be a whole lot better if they were all dead. That's how a holocaust happens. And that's what you all think of each other. You don't know nothing, homegirl. No, I don't, Marcus. So why don't you explain it to me? I ain't explaining shit to you.
0: (laughs) And, you know, Aaron says, well, you don't feel respected. Well, to get respect, you have to give it. And is just like, that's bullshit. It is bullshit. And I 100% agree with Andre. He's like, why should I respect you? Just because you're a teacher? I always felt that way with my teachers. Like, I was always like, why should I give you respect just because you're called a teacher? Because I know very full and well there was a... few of my teachers who should not have been teaching in a public school and should not have had influence over children oh no they were just there for a paycheck yeah and there to babysit and so they didn't care yeah you do not deserve my respect if you're not going to care about my education this is and i'm not saying aaron doesn't care i'm just saying you know andre's like i'm not just going to give you respect because you're called a teacher how do i know you're not a liar how do i know you're not a bad person this movie is almost 10 years old and every note of Ava's speech in this scene is still relevant, which is just absolutely inexcusable. Because it's like when she goes, I'm a teacher. It doesn't matter what color I am. And I'm like, "Mm, "Aaron, It doesn't matter
3: what color I am. It's
2: all about color. It's about people deciding what you deserve. About people wanting what they don't deserve. About whites thinking they run this world no matter what. You see, I hate white people. You hate me? Yeah. You don't know me. I know what you can do. I saw white cops shoot my friend in the back for reaching into his pocket. His pocket. I saw white cops break into my house and take my father for no reason except because they feel like it. Except because they can. And they can because they're white.
0: The whole time I'm sitting and nodding like, yes, Ava, get it out. Yes. Tell that white lady how you feel, why you hate her. And Aaron doesn't really argue with her. That's true. Like, the cops get name-checked in this scene, and the movie started with a montage of destruction that was ignited because of police brutality, but this movie predictably does not go that extra mile to hold police more accountable for the violence that these children experience and the quality of life they experience. And I promise you, they do play a direct role. Like, watch a documentary, guys. Okay? Come on. She cannot fundamentally understand it because she's standing up there with her pearls and her privilege and she's genuinely confused. Yeah, and Marcus is like, you know... We're
4: graduating every day we live because we ain't afraid to die protecting our own. At least when you die for your own, you die with respect. You
1: die, boy.
3: So when you're dead, you'll get respect. Is that what you think?
1: That's right. Yeah. It's real.
3: You know what's going to happen when you die? You're going to rot in the ground. And people are going to go on living.
0: Hillary Swank has such a command Mm -hmm. of this scene. Mm
3: -hmm. Like, it, it, it...
0: but that's like one of the things that it almost makes me feel uncomfortable. Right. Because she is entirely in control of this the entire time, no matter what these kids are trying to say to her. And she's the privileged white lady. Yeah. And it's just, the, it's the, it, I understand what she's trying to do here. And I don't necessarily think it's unfolding in the way that it should. It's still that aspect of, I'm in charge. This is how it is. Yeah. No, this movie's about her. Like, it, she's the biggest one on the box. You know what I mean? Yes. So, yes. Yeah, she is definitely the focal point of the movie and she is the vehicle of change and that's what makes it a white savior movie. At the same time, she's also standing up there and listening and not necessarily arguing with their own testimony, with their experience of the world. She just can't believe what they don't know about the history of fascism mm-hmm. and and Nazis and the Holocaust Because Tito raises his hand, and what does Tito say?
1: (laughs) The thing that
2: you said before, the Holocaust? Holocaust, yes. What is that?
3: Raise your hand if you know what the Holocaust is.
0: And no one but Ben raises their hand.
3: Raise your hand if anyone in this classroom has ever been shot at. And Ben's hand goes down and- Everyone
0: else's hand goes up. Yeah. That moment has to fuck you up. Like you're a grown ass woman standing up there. You've never been arrested and all of these teenagers have been shot at. Mm -hmm. That would be the moment for me. That would be the moment where I say to myself, oh wow, I do not know my ass from a hole in the ground. So now Erin is looking for new ways to reach and educate her students. We get this little scene. We're in this room full of books. She's with Margaret. Margaret's taking inventory of all the school books. And she's, you know, she's like, oh, can't we read Diary of Anne Frank? What about Romeo and Juliet? It's a great gang story. And Margaret's basically telling her, like, I'm not going to give you new books to give to these kids because I'll never see them again.
2: This is what we give them.
3: It is Romeo and Juliet, but it's a condensed version. But even these... Look how they treat them. See how torn up they are? They draw on them. Miss Campbell, they know they get these because no one thinks they're smart enough for real books. I don't have the budget to buy new books every semester when these kids don't return them. So what do I do? Buy their books myself? Well, that's up to you, but you are be wasting your money.
0: Oh my God. And the way she goes, you can't make someone want an education. Yeah. Which is such bullshit. And when she's like, the best thing you can do for these kids is to teach them to obey. Right To learn discipline, that would be a huge accomplishment for them. We don't need no education. You know, she's talking to Brian. She's like, I'm wondering if I could get some support from you. I feel like reading stories like the Diary of Anne Frank, you know, would resonate so well with these kids given everything they have to
4: face. It's a universal story. I mean, Anne Frank, uh, Rodney King, they're almost interchangeable.
3: Are you making fun of me?
4: Yeah. God, listen to what you're saying. How dare you compare them to Anne Frank? They don't hide. They drive around the open with automatic weapons. I'm the one living in fear I can't walk out my door at night.
0: He's telling her off in front of the whole teacher's lounge. He looks her dead in the face and goes, integration's a lie. But we teachers, we can't say that or we lose our jobs for being racist. And I'm like, yes! Yes, you do, Brian. And That's th- ugly. There's educators of color in the room who are, like, side-eyeing. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me?
4: So please stop your cheerleading, Aaron. You're ridiculous. You don't know the first thing about these kids. And you're not qualified to make judgments about the teachers who have to survive this place.
0: I just love how she gets up from the table. Listen! Wake up, wake up, wake up a minute. Listen by Quelly starts playing. I'm sorry. And I'm just like, oh, you done pissed her off. You done pissed her off now. We have now come to the line game. Yes, this is a very powerful scene. She takes painter's tape and she stretches a long line of tape down the middle of the room. And she's like, "You can play a game or you can work in your workbooks. Either way, you're here until the bell rings." And everybody's <laughs> like, "Oh, okay." So basically, she's going to ask them series she's going to ask them a series of questions and if the question applies to them, they're going to stand on the line. This is an exercise to make everybody see how much they do have in common. Exactly, Without her imposing anything on them. She asks things like, who's got the new Snoop Dogg album? Who's seen Boys in the Hood? <laughs> and like everybody steps up to the line. And I love it when everybody steps up to the line initially. They're just like, they're so mad to be that close to each other. Oh, I know. Yeah. I love it when she's like, how many of you nowhere to get drugs right now and Ben starts to move and I'm like Ben she doesn't mean your prescription zit cream. I know that's what
3: I feel like is happening as well. Now I'm going to ask you a more serious question. Stand on the line if you've lost a friend to gang violence.
0: It's literally everyone except Ben.
1: There's
3: not enough room on the line for everyone to stand. Stay on the line if you've lost more than one friend.
0: Three. Every time she ups the number, you think they're all going to peel away, but it doesn't happen. Four or more. Children are losing friends and loved ones to gang violence all the time. I think it's Jamal that's later quoted in voiceover. He's like, at 16, I've seen more bodies than a mortician. Yeah, to be 16 and see that much death. Like, you remember being 16? Oh, yeah. It was hard enough just to be 16. Yeah, but like. And then you're living in an undeclared war zone? So this is when Aaron produces two brown paper bags (laughs) that are full with Composition notebooks. This is an assignment where they have to write in these journals every day about anything they want as long as they write.
3: Uh huh. And I will not read them unless you give me permission. I will need to see that you've made an entry, but I'll, I'll just do this, skim, to see that you wrote that day. Now, if you want me to read it, I have, excuse me, a cabinet over here that has a lock on it. I will keep it open during class, and you can leave your diary there if you want me to read it. I will lock this cabinet at the end of every class.
0: I saw footage of the real Erin Gruwell talking about how the journals were the best way she could think of to start creating a safe space for these kids mm-hmm. where they could express themselves openly without judgment. That's the thing, isn't it? They can't trust each other with the truth because that makes them look weak. And they can't trust white people with the truth because, frankly, white people just don't believe them. We get this really cool sequence because she says, you know, if you want me to read your journal, I'm going to I'm going to leave this cabinet over here open every day and I'll lock it at the end of every class. And you can leave your journal there if you want me to read it. And, you know, she goes there that night to open up the cabinet and it's full of the diaries it's full of the journals everybody wants her to read them and so she just she sits down at her desk and we get this really cool sequence where she begins to read brandy gloria marcus andre Andre. you know we get a lot of the principal students i love how they shot this like some of the students are actually sitting in front of her in Mm -hmm. the classroom they've got spotlights on them. i love it they're actually putting spotlights on the voices yeah like that's just listen Obviously, the help was a drastically low bar for us last week. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this just surpasses it in so many ways mm-hmm. that are so basic. But it's still something that I think deserves some points. You know what I mean? Definitely. You know, and it's pretty wrenching hearing all of these testimonies. We're getting these quick Yet somehow visceral depictions of their struggles with violence that they face every day. Mm -hmm. You know, we learn a couple of things like Brandy. Brandy is constantly subjected to domestic violence within her own family. Exactly, Watching her mother get beat. Marcus, he lost a friend to gun violence when he was a little kid. And has been in and out of jail ever since andre has an older brother that's getting ready to come up for trial mm-hmm. and it's just, i can't again i can't imagine being 16 and, like, and having all of that on top of it
2: it's a crazy ass life once you're in there's no getting out every time i jump somebody in and make someone a part of our gang it's another baptism they give us their life give them a new i've lost many friends who have died in the undeclared war to the soldiers and me, it's all worth it. Risking life, dodging bullets, pulling triggers. It's all worth it.
0: After she's done reading, she's having this moment where she's just sitting at the desk going, fuck. Yeah, 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 I know. I, I don't know what to do with this. Exactly. So she goes to dinner with Steve. The one thing about this scene that I notice the most is that they're in this... Very, very nice restaurant. Oh, yeah. You know, they're at the bar waiting for their table. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, they take their drinks with them to their table. And this just all of this deference. Privilege. Privilege. All the privilege is just oozing. Yeah. And I'm just like, none of these kids can walk into this restaurant. Yeah. And just, you know, dine. It must be so easy to talk about how rough these kids have it over, you know, cocktails. Yeah, yeah. She's having him read some of the journals and he's just like, ooh, boy, (laughs) oof, this is rough. Like, she's I don't know what to do with this. I'm not a social worker. And I mean, like, yeah, she's like, you know, this is seems like a kind of a lofty task for me. And Steve basically tells her, listen,
4: just do your job the best you can.
3: How? The administration doesn't give me any resources, no books, no support.
4: Fulfill your obligation to the end of the school year, but line up another position
0: fulfill your obligation to the end of the school year but for God's sake get another job and you know what Aaron took away from that yeah the words get another job yeah Aaron goes through this you know you know she needs money. And she, needs, she wants to be able to buy her kids the material she wants to teach. And so she literally gets a job selling bras at a department store. She gets a job as a concierge at a Marriott. Like, <laughs> she has three jobs now. Also, she can raise money so her kids can have books to learn. You know who's not happy about the two extra jobs? Scott. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Are you going to, do you need a minute to warm up so you can rip Scott? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going to get through the Scott thing, okay? I'm going to basically put it to bed. Okay. Okay. So Scott's like, "Mm, I feel like all we talk about is your job and I'm not fulfilled in my own career. (laughs) And it's making me really upset. And she's like, you want to help me in my dreams? And he's like, not really. Like, like, I would rather just pout about it and have you be subservient to what I want. (laughs) And Scott through the whole movie is like, why are we not about me? Why are we not about me? Me, me, now, now, now. And his little wee wee is just so disrespected. <laughs> it's the tiniest pee. I bet. I bet. Ken Kratz level. Oh, well. I just don't wanna I'm sorry. Copyright infringement TCO. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Jillian. But like, ah, that's what I get. The vibe I get. <laughs> no, you. Yeah, no, you're valid. You're valid. And like, he's always just turning it into something about him. What if I said no? No what? No, I don't want you working three jobs. But I can make it work, No, that's not the point. You can do anything. We know that already. She's putting in a lot of hours. and She's like, oh, you're not at home with me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, bitch. <laughs> You have no patience for Scott. Let Erin thrive. (laughs) Right? Let Erin do what she needs to do for these kids. I I don't want to skip the scene where Ava goes to visit her father in prison, but for some fucking reason, Netflix didn't include the Spanish subtitles for that scene. Like, we used to own this on DVD. There, There were subtitles. But no matter how much I futzed with the settings, I couldn't get them to appear. So Ava brings her copy of Durango Street to her father in prison when she goes to visit him and she's like it's a book about a gang it's a book about a kid in a gang I thought you might like to read it and I just love how he he takes one look at the black kid on the cover and just like sets it aside (gasps) I didn't even consider that he just like like, gives this book a grim look and then just places it on its face down next to him. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, you were really paying attention. And, you know, you're right. We don't get the translation for whatever reason. But what he's basically saying to her is, you know, we've all got darkness inside of us. And when you go into court, you're going to protect your own. That's what matters most. You are not going to sell Paco out. You are going to protect the honor of our family and our organization. He doesn't care if that black kid goes down for murder. Exactly. So Erin's first big idea for her class is that she's going to take them on a field trip to the Museum of Tolerance, which is an interactive experience where you get to learn about the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And she takes all the kids inside and they all start the tour with this card that has the name of a Jewish child on it. Mm -hmm. And there's terminals throughout the museum where you can put the card in and you learn about different phases of their journey. And there's this montage where the kids are going through the museum set to this gorgeous instrumental track oh yeah yeah they're seeing images and like very very old video footage of the camps and the destruction and the looks on their faces again i think it is fair to say that she's still trying to teach these kids about generational trauma associated with systematic subjugation of an entire race of people like i wouldn't argue with someone who said that at the same time, what I think is important to note here is that they're actually getting an education that they can engage with. Oh, yeah. And that can really be impactful. They may not be Jews in Nazi Germany, but they're non-white people in America. <laughs> the only thing about genocide in Europe was that it was all at once. Right. Whereas here in the United States, it's spanned out over four centuries.
4: Crystal the night of broken glass... Hundreds of synagogues looted and burned. More than seven thousand
1: Jewish stores destroyed. Over a hundred Jews. Killed.
0: And then, like, I'm already tearing up a little bit over here, but what's great about this is after the museum, she takes them to the hotel where she works, mm-hmm. and she's arranged this fancy dinner for them, and she invited real Holocaust survivors to come and speak to them. And I, you know, that's it was during the scene that I thought... Damn, she really is paying for this. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. All those people, their time had to be accounted for, Mm -hmm. all the food, Mm -hmm. reserving the room. Yeah. You know, she's investing in them. Mm -hmm. I just love to see it. Exactly. Because no one else is. Mm -hmm. That's the white savior. Definitely, but... But there needs... In in reality, there needs to be more teachers like Aaron. And teachers like Aaron shouldn't have to fight so hard. Yeah. Just to give kids an education that will actually mean something. Mm-hmm. And by the way, all the people, all of the Holocaust survivors that we see in this scene... Are real Holocaust survivors? Yeah. When that lady is explaining to the kids at the table, she's pointing out her, her Auschwitz number. of we
2: have seen someone with a number on their arm, the lucky people, the people who, when they came to Auschwitz, when they tattooed the people,
0: they took us to do the slave work, not the others, and that included people with the tattoos were the lucky ones. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, I know. To hear Andre say, I'm never going to forget this. She's teaching them that you learn by listening. Mm-hmm. And that is, I mean, I don't think that message is overt. But I think that's what we should take away, is that you learn and become less ignorant by listening to people who've been through this. All right, let us move on. Now we've come to sophomore year, fall semester. And in all capital letters I have, I take it back. I take back what I said about Tupac. This is the cringiest moment. Because... We're in Brian Guilford's class. Oh my god. The honors class. And they read the color purple over the summer. There's this chick named Victoria in his honors class. Victoria
4: is the one black student in the class.
0: And what is the first thing he does?
4: I thought it would be most valuable to begin with Victoria to, uh, to give us the black perspective. Victoria. I love her voiceover. Yeah.
2: Do I have a stamp on my forehead that says the national spokesperson for the plight of black people? How the hell should I know the black perspective of the color purple? That's it. If I don't change classes, I'm hurt this fool. Teachers treat me like I'm some kind of Rosetta Stone for African Americans. What? Black people learn how to read and we all miraculously
0: come to the same conclusion? Victoria decides, like... I can't be here with Whitey. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll go see what Lady Whitey is like. <laughs> well, because she's best friends with Brandy. Uh-huh. And obviously Brandy's been regaling her with awesome stories about Ms. G. Yeah. Yeah. And so she goes into, she just, I think she, I don't know if she has a study hall or what. But yeah, she goes to check out her class. And this is the toast for change scene, which yeah. this actually did happen. aaron has got all these glasses of sparkling cider and all these borders bags that contain the four books they're going to read that year. I have in all caps,
3: BORDERS BAGS! Oh, I know,
0: I know. Remember
3: yeah. BORDERS? I do, I do. We're each going to make a toast for change. And what that means is... From this moment on, every voice that told you, you can't, is silenced. Every reason that tells you things will never change, disappears. And the person you were before this moment, that person's turn is over.
0: All these kids get up there and say so many lovely things about how they're hoping for the future. Mm-hmm. It's the first time many of them probably have hope for the future. Mm-hmm. And it's a very special day. It is. And, oh God, this one kid gets up there. Who is he? And he's been with us for freshman year, fool. What's his name? I don't know this one kid who's been with them from the beginning gets up to read something really nice from his diary talking about how he became homeless over the summer and things are just going really rough for him but he thinks that he does have a home in room 203.
2: I received my schedule and the first teacher is Mrs. Gurwan, room 203. I walk into the room and feel as though all the problems in life are not so important anymore. I am home.
0: It's so nice. And it like Marcus literally steps up to hug him. He's got tears rolling down his eyes cuz Marcus knows what it's like to be homeless. Yeah. The shot of Marcus that we got earlier where he's literally living in the side of a wall somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: because his mom kicked him out for being in a gang. Yeah. And yeah, they all these kids just give this this kid this big group hug. Victoria's standing over to the side like, oh, wow. I'm transferring. Umbridge is mystified. She's she's in talking with Brian. She's like,
3: what gets me is they're violent. They break laws. They destroy school property. And in the end, we make them special. We reward them. Just don't see what that teaches them.
0: Which is a fundamental problem. With figures of authority over children.
3: They don't know these
0: kids. They've not taken the time to understand these kids. They don't care because they don't have to deal with the things these kids have to deal with in their everyday lives. So they do not see the point in raising these children up because, oh, well, they're violent. They commit crimes. You know, they vandalize our property. They're dismissive. Why should we make them special? You should make them special. Like, make them feel like they've got something to live for. Like, all of these kids, their recidivism drops spectacularly over the course of their time with Aaron. Now the kids are reading the Diary of Anne Frank. Mm -hmm.
4: Anti-Jewish decrees followed in quick succession. Jews must wear a yellow star. Jews must hand in bicycles. Jews are banned from trams and forbidden to drive.
0: That kind of in, that kind of institutional evil is ver it eludes me because I don't understand how they were able to decipher. I don't know how you're able to decipher who's a practicing Jew and who isn't. Oh, like, just based on looks. If you didn't have light hair and light eyes, you weren't Aryan like if that's if that was literally their only criteria how do you decide who's a criminal and who's just a guy walking down the street exactly you're based right. on the color of his skin yeah yeah and right. and i think you brought up a good point earlier we think about the holocaust and we can't equate it to any other kind of oppression as white people because yeah the holocaust happened kind of all at once the holocaust happened in a period of 3 years but like we literally have entire Races of people who have been subjugated, abused, systematically murdered for hundreds of years. And because it happened, quote, so staggered, easier to hide it in the pages of history and call it something else. Mm-hmm. And Ava especially is invested in this story. She is devouring it. I've never read it. Have you ever actually read it? Yes. We had to read it in Kelly's class. Maybe I should read that. Yeah. Maybe that should be my next thing. And I love throughout the whole time she's reading it she keeps coming to Aaron and it's cause like she's reading the bit about Anne being into Peter and she comes up she's like are Anne and Peter gonna hook up? and she's like I'm not telling you keep reading and like another she goes like when's Anne gonna smoke Hitler? and I'm like I love that I'm not laughing at her it's just it's really funny I just want to live in the alternative universe where Anne Frank is the hero of the Holocaust and murders Hitler and so like yeah she finally gets to the end of this book and I just love the Door opening to she, Aaron's classroom. She is stomping in. She slams that book in front of Aaron and goes,
2: Why didn't you tell me she dies? Why you didn't tell me she gets caught in the end, huh? I hate you and I hate this book. Ava. If she dies, then what about me, huh? What are you
0: saying about that? Ooh. Why didn't you tell me she gets caught in the end? She goes, I hate you and I hate this book. Don't tell me you've never felt that way about a book you had to read in school. And she's like, if she dies, what are you saying about me? And Aaron's like, hold on. Whoa, whoa. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. Marcus, who's the only person in her room, he's like, you're not understanding this. This
4: story is dope. She was our age, man. Anne Frank understands our situation. My situation. And that Meep Geese lady. The one that helped hide I like her. I got all these other books about her from the library.
3: Wow. You used your library card? Nah. He can't
0: get a library card because he can't provide proof of address. That's true. Yeah, so they just, oh, Marcus, Marcus, I love you, baby. I love you. So Erin gives the class an assignment to write letters to Meep Geese. and the class completely falls in love with the idea, Mm -hmm. because they've all fallen in love with this story. Exactly. And Meep Geese is like a hero in their eyes, because she stood up for the oppressed, Mm -hmm. right? And she's like, we're going to write letters to Meep Geese, and you're going to tell her what you liked about the book, tell her about your own story. Mm -hmm. But
3: they kind of take off with this idea. They just take off like little birds. Is she going to read the letters? Well... Right now, it's a writing assignment. I'll read them. We should get her to read them. Uh, yeah, you can do that, right, Miss G? Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Maybe we should get her to come and speak.
4: Yeah, yeah have a big dinner again. Wow. That's great. Wait. Right.
0: Guys. So
4: I'll be the she clown.
0: She's getting nervous because she's like, I don't know, guys. I don't want to disappoint you. And Jamal's like, we can raise this money, girl. Like, we got this. And I just love Marcus goes, Miss
4: G, can these go come? Can I, like, be the one to escort her in?
0: tell Jordan, baby. I love this song. We are raising money for meat geese to come to Long Beach, y'all. These kids are empowered now. Oh, I know it. They they, they, I mean, they hold this whole food vendor festival. Taste for change. Oh, yeah. They hold a concert. Concert for change. Like, every time something they do gets covered in the newspaper. We see Margaret huffing and puffing up to Principal Banning's office. Like, she's knocking on the door every time to complain about it. Like, the last time she doesn't even get to knock. Come in, Margaret.
3: <laughs> you know,
0: what the hell are you going to do? She's not using school money. The kids' grades are going up. What is there to complain about, Margaret? So, we finally see Margaret staring blank-faced into this headline, woman who helped Hyde and Frank to come to Long Beach. They did it! They did it! They raised thousands of dollars to get this Dutch woman across the Atlantic... And get her into their school to speak to them. It's just, I just couldn't, I just can't even imagine doing anything like that as a teenager. I know. Like, that's so much. And they did it all on their own. And I like that they're all gathered in the library. And this is my favorite scene in the entire movie. I love this scene. And, you know, (laughs) we see the door open. And guys, that's Pat Carroll, (laughs) who's the voice of Ursula and the Little Mermaid, but... She she does a really good job in this role. She actually does look a lot like the real Meat Geese. Yeah. Uh, Meat Geese passed away in 2011. So she was still alive when this movie was made, but I doubt she ever would have made a cameo of herself, even though that would have been sick. (laughs) Uh, um, And Marcus escorts her in. Yeah, Marcus goes over and takes her arm and leads her in. They are in awe of her. I honestly just want you to play the whole thing, even though I know you won't. I know. Let's just try to get through this because I'm going to choke up over here. So, you know, meet takes them through the day of August 4th, which is the day that the Frank family was taken from the house in Amsterdam. She basically tells them, you know, you know I survived basically through luck, you know, because I... She survived through privilege. She, she did. She survived through privilege because she was born Austrian and the Austrians were definite allies of Nazi Germany. You could be shot for hiding a Jew or go to camp. So another
2: soldier recognized my accent he was austrian and so was i Uh, but i had been adopted by a dutch family so he told the soldier with the gun to let me go
0: marcus stands up when she's done talking and he goes i've never had a hero but you're my hero and she's just like "Mm -mm, no oh no 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 no. not a hero no no young man no I i am not a hero
2: no I did what I had to do because it was the right thing to do, that is all. I have read your letters and your teacher has been telling me many things about your experiences. You are the heroes. You are heroes every day.
0: This is why. You do the right thing, not because you expect credit for it, but because it's what's right. Because she's a real ally. Exactly. She put herself in harm's way to protect the oppressed. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't want any credit for that because it's what was right. So (laughs) I have in my notes, oh boy, is this getting to Ava. So like, we get this little scene with Ava and her mom, where and her mom's just like, you know what you're going to say in that courtroom? And she's like,
2: I know what I have to say.
0: And that man that put your father in
2: prison, he knew he was sending an innocent man. But you know, he was just protecting his own. What
0: the hell does everybody want from me? Okay, thank you, Mrs. (laughs) April's mom. Like, thank you for... Being the voice of reason here. This <laughs> is April's mom. So Ava gets huffy and starts kicking things. At the trial, Ava is on the stand and Grant's attorney is cross-examining her. You know who else is staring her in the face? Paco. Paco. Paco and his whole crew is there. Cindy and her family are there. Yeah. And Grant's family is there. And like we get up to the point where she's about to say that she saw Grant shoot the victim. There's this long silence. And like just that great shot where she's looking at Grant and then it unfocuses of Grant and focuses on his family sitting directly behind him. And that Spanish guitar behind it. Yeah. And she's just like, and just like, she goes, fuck me. No, she's, her life is about to end. Yeah. She's like, fuck me running. Um, it was Paco. Uh, Paco did it. Paco did it. Killed the guy. Did you, did you see Grant in that moment? Yeah, he was like, What? He was like, It's just that, that look of relief in his face. Because he knew. He knew he was going away for this. Yeah. And his family knew. Yeah. And I think that I'm glad that Ava. Ava did right by him. Yeah. And it's a good thing. And I don't want to bring this conversation down, but I do want to mention this because the actor playing Grant, Armand Jones, Like, right after the last day of shooting, he was killed in a robbery over some jewelry. Like, he wasn't the robber. His friends were being robbed. And he chased after the perpetrator, and he was shot while he was chasing them. That's awful. Yeah, the film is dedicated to him. Wow. Yeah, no, so that's just, that makes me sad. That's really awful. After the trial, Ava's immediately getting jumped. Oh, yeah. And and once again, we're missing the Spanish subtitles. They basically tell her that You'd be dead if it wasn't for your father. And, you know, she's lost that family, that so-called family. So she has to move even further away to live with her aunt. We get another montage that takes us through fall semester into spring. Mm-hmm. The students start learning about the Freedom Riders, mm-hmm. which you mentioned at the top. Oh my god. Oh, Ben! This is Ben's moment. <laughs> Ben's talking about this white dude that was dragged off the bus of the Freedom Riders and beaten to a bloody pulp. His name was Jim Zwerg, and he is an actual ally. Yeah, he really is knowing there was a mob waiting for them he was almost beaten to death so the others could get away that kind of courage is unbelievable to me i was afraid of just being in this class and i must have some kind of courage because i could have lied to get out of here but i stayed well, i could have lied to get out of this class but i stayed i'm so brave i know i'm a hero and i'm like ben i love you but stop yeah he's giving himself too much credit there. Anyway. Do we have to talk about the scene where Scott finally divorces her? Okay, listen, Scott, basically, I'm, I'm done. We're putting this to bed. Scott is leaving her because, listen, you don't love me. You love the idea of me. And Aaron's like, <laughs> Aaron's like, yeah, yeah, but like, it's such a great idea, right? <laughs> and he's like, no, no, my little, my little penis hurt.
3: You're my husband. Why can't you stand by me and be a part of it the way wives support husbands?
1: Because I can't be your own wife.
0: And I'm like... That's awful. So they get divorced. We get this whole scene with Steve where Steve's like, I know you're getting divorced, but I love you and I admire you. You're you do, you're doing great things. You're doing a bang up job. And I'm like, thank you, Mr. Crawford. Like, <laughs> No, it is very nice. He's, like, he's literally like, good job, Starling. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, thank you, Steve. I'm glad we finally got some validation from you. <laughs> right, but we didn't need his white validation. No, we didn't. So now we have this classroom sesh where these kids are realizing they're not going to have Aaron next year. Because she does not have seniority, and she cannot teach juniors. Honestly, they do not fly with that.
1: <laughs>
2: Miss Kick a yeah. spot. Everybody's cool with everybody. Everybody knows everybody. This is the only place where
0: we really get to be ourselves. And they immediately start throwing out ideas about how they could get Aaron to teach them next year. Mm-hmm. I love Tito's idea. He's like, we could paint the administration building with the word assholes in various colors. <laughs> I love that, Tito. I love where your head's at. Also, Andre's brother gets 15 years to life in this murder trial. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he gives himself an F for his evaluation, his self-evaluation. He's kind of having an Ava moment, right? Yeah. Like Ava. He He did with the Diary of Anne Frank. He's having this with 12 angry men. Yeah, he gets so invested in that story. and like it gives him hope for his brother. Because if you don't know about 12 angry men, one juror convinces 11 other jurors that this innocent man definitely did not do the crime. Mm -hmm. And he thought that's what was going to happen for his brother and it so did not Aaron asks the kids to give themselves a self-evaluation Andre gives himself an F Mm -hmm. and she takes him out into the hall and she just puts that evaluation in his face and she's like how very dare you yeah
3: you know what this is this is a fuck you to me and everyone in this class I don't want excuses I know what you're up against we're all of us up against something so you better make up your mind because until you have the balls to look me straight in the eye and tell me this is all you deserve, I am not letting you fail.
0: He's just, like, staring at her and just, like, tears just rolling stone face. Like that one manly tear. And he goes, hmm, this white lady actually do care about me. I
1: know! Yeah. yeah, and
0: I'm like, wow. You know, they should all care about them that much. Yeah. You know, let's not, let's not give her too much credit. But I just love how she ends that interaction by opening the door and going, An F. What are you, tripping? She tries so hard. I know. And I, I mean, I, I don't emphasize the so hard part. <laughs> but like, she, like you know, we do have that meeting where it's with Dr. Cohen and Margaret and Banning and Brian. And <laughs> I love it. she They're asking the, the only way she's going to get to teach these students next year is if Brian forfeits one of his honor slots. Which he will not. Oh, he's so childish about it. He's like, no honor students are mine and like margaret's like we'd have to rearrange the curriculum for her she's saying her methods are unorthodox to say the least they're eating they're playing games they're not even doing real work and like aaron's like it's full you're full of shit margaret like like, (laughs) but like you know she gets back to class after her after her conversation with andre and
3: she's like i want you all to know that dr cone and i tried very hard But it's been decided we can't continue with each other junior year.
1: What? This is the thing we
0: hate. <laughs> What's the thing we hate? Where she she's thinking about what she's been told in her meetings cuz like literally the thing that Margaret says to her earlier is that if those kids get to our classes where they're sup- the way it's supposed to go and they they fail, it's because they weren't prepared and it's because you failed, not them. Right. And that just prompts Aaron to
3: say to the kids Don't use me as another excuse for why you can't make it. You made it to your junior year. Think about how you did that.
0: That's just so dissonant to me. Yeah. Because she is one of the reasons they've gotten this far. Yeah. That's why this is a white savior movie. Mm -hmm. Privileged white lady comes into the hood, tries to teach the kids about rap. And, you know, it's because of her action that... They are bolstered. There's a Michelle Pfeiffer movie that's very, very similar to this movie, but I can't think of the name. Is it called Criminal Minds? I don't think oh, so. Oh, no. I that's a know. TV show. It came out about the time this takes place, though. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. No. The the trope of the white teacher, like, sitting backwards on a chair. Let's talk about rap. <laughs> It's not that bad. It's not that deep. But it's still a white savior complex. But, but, I mean, still, not to take total value away from her words, you know, she's like, you made it to junior year. Think about how you did that. Not me. Yeah. Yeah. So Aaron has got one final project in mind for them while they're still together. John 2 donates uh, 35 computers so that they can type their diaries and put them all together in one big book. The Freedom Writers Diary. She told us we had something to say to people.
2: We weren't just kids in a class anymore. We were writers with our own voices, our own stories. And even if nobody else read it, the book would be something to leave behind that said we were here. This is what happened.
0: We matter. And so we have one more meeting with the actual superintendent. Yeah, this is the big big boss, big lady. Uh, she gives me very big Kirsten Gillibrand vibes. Yeah? You know what I mean? You know mm-hmm. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand? Oh, yeah. Doesn't she look exactly like <laughs> she her? She does. This might as well be Kirsten Gillibrand. <laughs> so Superintendent Gillibrand... <laughs> Margaret is sitting there next to Aaron like, don't do this. Don't do this. I swear to God, if you do this, you know, the superintendent's like, listen, Peg. How is Peggy a derivative of Margaret? I don't know. I don't know. She's listen. She's like, listen, Mag. Maggie. Maggie. Their reading
1: scores, their writing has markedly improved, Miss Campbell.
3: On paper? But what has she accomplished in reality? What about new students that come in next year? Can she repeat this process every year? Her methods are impractical, impossible to implement with regularity. (laughs) What if every teacher performed in this way? My position
0: as a white woman in this institution is being threatened. Right? And Aaron's like, I'm a white woman too, you dumb bitch. And like... Again, Margaret's just... Margaret's just jealous. Yeah, Margaret's just triggered. She's threatened. She can't believe the level of success Erin has achieved with these kids. It's almost like she doesn't want these children to succeed. Maybe because she doesn't. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe she realizes if these kids succeed it means she's had the wrong attitude this whole time and she has been actively contributing to the problem of problem students. You know I'm using finger quotes. Yeah. Let's not admit wrongdoing here. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Because then you might have to live with it. (laughs) Mm that that meeting kind of ends on an open note we don't really know what happens and the next thing that we see is the kids of long beach on a long beach and (laughs) i'm kidding no they're by a river (laughs) (laughs) i hate her car by the way i don't know why is it a honda it's a little white car it looks like like a little honda or a toyota yeah (laughs) and she gets out of it so are we gonna be together for junior year Oh. What? Pause for effect. I know. <laughs> it says in the ma- it says in the screenplay. Pause for effect.
3: We're going to be together junior and senior year. And they
0: go nuts. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're celebrating, hugging each other. They feel like as they move forward, someone's gonna be there for them. And I mean, as as, as little of an institutional victory as this is, they still feel like they won something. I am I'm, I'm so happy that they're so happy. I know we y- we do kind of forget in that moment that. Nothing really has changed for the institution. I mean, what about the rest of the kids in the school? Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, they're going to... Like, this isn't the only class of non-white kids. They're going to... She's going to move on with her students... And there are going to be students left behind who are going to be subjected to the same level of apathy. Which was kind of Margaret's argument, but still, like... She's also the perpetrator of that apathy. I know it. And I'm just like, "Mm." It's just, it's a little unsatisfying, but it's also what actually happened. Because, you know, earlier, you know, Ava was saying, you know, like, Miss G, this is our kicking spot. Yeah. This is, everybody's cool with everybody. Everybody knows everybody. There's no other place out there like this for us. She really created a special place for them, and a lot of kids are going to be deprived of that going forward. Yeah. And case in point, we get a title card. Many Freedom Riders were the first in their families to graduate high school and go to college. Well, that's awesome. That's not what I was talking about. Second title card following some of her students, Miss G left and followed some of her students to teach at California State University. Mm. So yeah, she moved on with those kids and completely left a bunch of other kids behind, mm-hmm. which is whatever. I'm not I'm not shading. Her I'm not prerogative. Yeah, I'm her, it's her prerogative. I'm not shading Aaron Gruwell. Like she did a lot. She did more than most people did. It's still in a lot of ways the bare minimum of what every teacher should be doing when it comes to engaging with a classroom, but it's still something fantastic. What else do we learn from on screen text? The Freedom Writers Diary was published in 1999. Aaron Gruel and the Freedom Writers started the Freedom Writers Foundation, dedicated to recreating the success of Room 203 in classrooms across the country. That's well, nice. That is nice. Teachers like Aaron shouldn't have to struggle as hard. No. They should be paid very well for their time because the job they do is one of the most important. And they should should not have to buy their own chalk and their own supplies. And they should not be treated as glorified babysitters, but valuable members of our workforce. And they're just <laughs> not. Guys, at the end of the day, this is still a white savior film, but it does exponentially better at highlighting the voices than The Help does. For real. And this was also actually based on real life. We also should have done some screen time on this, shouldn't we? Uh, You know what? I thought about that, but you know what? It's just outweighs it so much. It's not as egregious as The Help. You know? I really didn't feel like I had to time that. Even the scenes where the kids are not involved, like when she's at dinner with her dad, or when she's in her apartment with her dad, you know. I think you and I should write a letter to Paramount. Yeah. And we should discuss with the distributors of this film that um, the segments of the film that include um, Scott Glenn and Patrick Dempsey should just be excluded. Right. From all further showings of the film. Right. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I all, I think about that all the time. Actually, I was like, "Wow, what if we cut out all the crap that just didn't belong like, here?" Let's let's cut out the unnecessary white people. Really, the only necessary white people in this are Aaron and Margaret and Me- Meepkeys. Yeah, like those are the three yeah, necessary for- white people. Don't forget Meepkeys. <laughs> yeah, I think this film has value. Yeah, as much of a white savior film as it is, it's still not as much as others. I feel like this is a step. This is another baby step. Right? You know what I mean? What you know what's frustrating about that? It predates the help. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. How regressive. I know. <laughs> Shit. Okay, so folks... You know, we've had some important conversations these last two weeks... We were going to spend July covering some patriotic subjects. Mm -hmm. I'm not feeling so patriotic now. I'm really not. And I mean, not that I was really so holy before, but... um, (laughs) I don't think either one of us want to sit here on microphone and pretend that this country's fantastic. No. Yeah, we're going to divert into some other subjects. And just because we're moving on to different content does not mean we're not going to be pushing black creators. We're going to keep these voices in our content. We're going to keep these voices advertised because it's important. Um, And like Carrie Ann has said before, This is not your one-stop shop for this research. You need to commit yourself to doing research on your own and educating yourself. Because to those of you who are not in school anymore, you don't have anybody drilling it into your head or not drilling it into your head. And I've done some of the work for you. There's a treasure trove of education in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Go click around. Learn some things. Watch a documentary. Read a book. I just, in the mail today, got Angela Davis's Race, Women, and Class. You know, and I'm so excited to read it. And you should be excited to learn too. Just because you're an adult, Doesn't mean you get to stop learning. Guys, great viewing, if you want, on YouTube. The interview that Angela Davis and Jane Elliott do together. Oh, shit. Have you not seen that? I've not. I'm going to go watch it now, though. (laughs) And I'm not saying that just for the mic. I'm I'm serious. It's really great. So what are we going to do next week, bud? Guys, next week... We've got a classic coming at you, honestly. It is a story of rebellion. It is indeed. But it's not American. Guys, have we done a Pixar film yet? Oh, God. Guys, after a year of kicking and streaming, we're finally doing our first Pixar feature. Oh, I'm excited. So we are going to be starting off with that noble story of rebellion, the 1998 Pixar film. A bug's life. Yay! We are all going to be beautiful butterflies, <laughs> and we are all going to transform together. Yes, we are. I'm excited. I am too. I, I, We've loved this movie since we were tots. Oh yeah, and I'm sure many of you have too. We can talk about the Pixar theory, why Kevin Spacey's a sociopath. Um, you know, lots of lots of fun content. The fact that ants have wings sometimes. <sighs> You don't like a lot of the winged creatures. I don't like arthropods or arachnids. (laughs) All right. So look out for that next week. In the meantime, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Kick and Stream. K I C K N S T R E A M. Write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And like we said, folks, go into the show notes. Find a black podcast, give it a listen, give those folks a review, retweet, subscribe, do whatever you have to do to make the algorithm work. Absolutely. More quality content coming to you from kicking and streaming. Until then. And only until then. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry mom.